<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hill Varsity Club is opening in Omaha this May and is hiring for all hospitality positions. Do you love elevated food, exciting events, and having fun at work? Join our team by applying today at HillVarsityClub.com. Hill Varsity Club will feature a next-level mix of classic sports bar favorites and contemporary creations with indoor and outdoor seating and memorable live events like live music and sports watch parties. We can't wait to grab a burger and a beer at HVC this May. Apply for all front or back-of-house positions now at HailVarsityClub.com. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food and fitness come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on Meathead Test Kitchen. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, a podcast born of my love of eating and not blowing my caloric budget. Last week, we talked about Flexible Dieting 101. This week, we're going to do some macro myth busting with the ladies of Tactic Nutrition, Meredith Root and Alex Parker. How are you today, ladies? We're doing well. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. And if you don't know who Alex and Meredith are, they're pretty cool. They're joining us with experience from being CrossFit Games athletes. They're cat ladies, and they're just general badasses. (laughs) Let's get into it. What exactly is a macro and why are they so important? Uh, Well, macro is short for macronutrient. So um, basically, um, when people talk about them, they're talking about protein, fats, carbs, and it's essentially where the energy and food comes from. So when you see um, like a nutrition label or, you know, the calorie content of any food, it's basically doing that uh, calculation based on how many grams of fat uh, protein and carbs are in that food. So, uh, we know how many calories per gram each of those have. So you add all, you multiply those out, add them together, and then you get the calorie content. So it's basically just like, um, it's looking at the calories in more of a, like a broken out way. It's like, okay, where are these calories coming from exactly? Science with that in mind, like how important is it to be a label reader, like with your on the Um, nutrition labels? Well, we actually did a post today about that it's important because you want to know what you're eating. Like we have most of our clients tracking macros, so they're entering in what they're eating. They'll either, you know, scan the label or copy it um, into their phone. Um, But we did a post today about how the FDA actually allows like a 20% margin of error on nutrition labels. So we always preach eating like whole foods where there isn't really a nutrition label. It's like chicken. So you're entering in just chicken. So you're not, and then you could weigh that and it's a little bit more accurate, but overall, like we think having an idea of what you're putting into your body, whether it's just the number of calories, how much protein you're eating, um, it gives you a really good gauge for what your body needs and how to kind of stay healthy and at a good body weight. Well, even reading like ingredient labels, ingredient yeah. lists, a lot of people don't do that. So they like I had someone send me a, like some sort of coconut water the other day. And she was like, Oh, is it okay if I drink this? And I was like, well, send me the, and like, for the record, it's okay if you drink anything. I just wanted to see like, <laughs> is it the most appropriate? Right. So you wanted to see the breakdown. Yeah. Label. And, um, like the second ingredient next to water was, um, pure cane sugar. So mm. it's like, <clears throat> you have to realize like the way foods are labeled, 
um, for marketing purposes is not always indicative of what's actually going on on the nutrition label. Yes. And a little bit about nutrition labels. If you don't know, if you're listening and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. When you look at the ingredients on a nutrition label, this is me being from Iowa, taking egg science (laughs) in high school. The order of items on the nutrition label is how much of that item is in there based on ratio. So if you have water and then sugar, that's maybe not your best option. (laughs) Yeah. And something like that will say all natural. And like (laughs) it is, I guess, because like cane sugar is natural, but it's... It doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you. Yeah, it's like, like the sugar organic is a plant. Label. Yeah. Right. You boil it down, but it's just like harvested and refined. Yep. Exactly. We talk about macros and everybody, every, every trainer, every nutritionist I've ever had is like, yo, eat to hit your protein. How do you recommend to eat to hit your protein intake every day? Because some days it can be really hard. Um, I mean, like for us, so um, I just find like eating consistently for like two out of three meals or three out of four meals, if you're a four meal person, um, and like having kind of like consistency and what you're eating makes it a lot easier. If you're constantly varying what you're having for breakfast, what you're having for lunch, if you're eating out a lot, it is going to be hard to hit your protein because protein is not super abundant in like the Western diet. Right. Um, so if you can have like two or three, like relatively high protein meals that have like eggs, lean meat, Um, if you're vegan or vegetarian, you're looking for like, um, like beans, lentils, that kind of thing. Just, uh, like a third of your plate should be filled up with protein. Mm -hmm. And then, um, if you can do that for two or three meals, you're probably going to be close. If you're working out, uh, a protein shake can be super helpful because that's going to be 20 or 30 grams right there. Um, so if you're getting, you know, 20 grams and three meals, that's 60 grams, 20 grams and shake, that's 80 And that's not even including the protein that's coming from all the, like the plants that you're eating. So like broccoli is pretty high in protein. Um, Like uh, grains are also higher in protein. So you'll easily be over a hundred grams in a day if you do that. And then it's just increasing portion sizes. Like a lot of people are eating very small portion sizes. Mm -hmm. So just increasing by like, you know, 20 grams or one ounce of chicken breast or turkey can go a long way. I always recommend to my clients, like the traditional breakfasts don't tend to have a lot of protein in them. So even eggs, like they contain a fair amount of protein, but seven grams per egg really like in order to eat 30 grams of protein, that's like four eggs, which is also a lot of fat. So Mm -hmm. it kind of throws your macro balance off. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes get my clients to eat, get away from traditional breakfast foods and kind of eat maybe like chicken sausage or chicken or even just like a lunch for breakfast. It sounds Mm -hmm. like, but some people do it and have no problem. Um, Your mom eats like beef and sweet potato. Yeah. Ground beef and sweet potato. There's kind of different ways you can put things together. And if you can get like 30 or 40 grams in at breakfast, you're like pretty much set for the rest of the day. Okay. That's good to know. Um, when it comes to weighing your protein, are you in the cooked or uncooked school of thought? I'm in, uh, just do it consistently. Okay. It doesn't matter. Okay. So for the record, it doesn't matter cooked or uncooked as long as you're consistent. There's that word again. Yeah. Like don't go back and forth. Um, if you're like my fitness pal has cooked and uncooked options. So it's like, it's pretty easy to do it either way. Um, but even like we have a friend who I think she, how does she do it again? So when, so we always say, okay, so if you're going to weigh your chicken cooked, make sure you find an entry that correlates to that. So it should say like cooked chicken breast. 
if it doesn't say cooked or broiled or roasted, it means it's raw. So we always say, try to have it correlate, but we have a friend who enter who weighs it all cooked, but enters it in as just chicken, chicken breast. So it's actually, she's entering it as raw, mm-hmm. but she does it the same way every single time she eats chicken. So, it, I mean, it doesn't like She's really actually matter. eating a little more protein than is specified in her macros, but because yeah. she does it that way every time, it's kind of a constant in her life. So she can still make adjustments based on that. Okay. Yeah. We're joined by Meredith Root and Alex Parker from Tactic Nutrition. So the other important thing here for women especially is making sure that you eat enough fat, but why? Uh, yeah, so fat is um, super important for um, like a hormone production. So specifically the sex hormone. So if you look at the precursor for estrogen and testosterone, they share a precursor and um that precursor requires that you have a minimum amount of cholesterol in your body. So cholesterol is just, it's a different type of fat. It's how when you eat fats and it goes into your bloodstream, it becomes um, cholesterol. So if you don't have enough of that, you're not going to produce very much testosterone uh, or estrogen. And so we look at, and this is the problem, right? We see, um, we see people come to us from diet programs where they're, you know, their fats are in like the thirties and, um, that's super bad. It can be fine if you're like a bodybuilder and doing it for a very short amount of time. That's okay. But when you're eating very low fat for a very long time, uh, you tend to see, um, well, like you'll get a lot of joint pain. And then um, you start to see signs of like uh, depressed hormone production, um, you know, declining mood, declining performance in the gym, uh, low sex drive, like kind of everything that correlates to, um, to low hormones. And then typically when you switch to a higher fat diet, um, you know, around 60, 70, 80 grams per day for ladies, a lot of those symptoms go away. Mm-hmm. See, you need fat. You need <laughs> carbs good. and you need fat. They're both your friends. <laughs> Moderation is key when it comes to those things. So when it comes to eating, does timing of when you eat really matter? Because people ask me this a lot and I'm always like, no. I can't eat after eight. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, I think... I think, I think that comes just from like what you read in like magazines. I don't know. I think maybe people tend to eat more uh, junk food at nighttime. So when you put a restriction, like don't eat past seven 30 or 8 PM, it's like they finish dinner and it's like, okay, I'm not going to do that eating that I do in front of the TV from eight to 10. So like that can be helpful. I get it. But like in terms of actually, well, let's talk about a weight loss client. It doesn't really matter when you eat. So mm-hmm. unless you have performance goals, like, all that really matters is quantity and quality for the most part. If you're a performance-based athlete, the things we look for are like no fasting before workout. So if you're working out at six, we try to have somebody eat before you work out, even if it's something like um, half a banana or some rice cakes, mm-hmm. just something to kind of lower your cortisol and um, get your body out of that stressed out state. And then Uh, post-workout is also important for performance-based athletes. Other than that, really, like we allow our clients to kind of eat whenever and whatever they want, you know, to a certain point. We also suggest spreading out protein just because eating like a hundred grams of protein in one sitting is just really hard to do. (laughs) Yeah, it's Uh, a lot. (laughs) But most people, like not not that many people come to us doing that anyways, so... Mm -hmm. We're joined again by Meredith Root and Alex Parker from Tactic Nutrition. So building off of that, what role does fiber play in your diet and how much should you be getting in per day? 
And like, why is it so important? Because I think that people like gloss over that because they're like, oh, it's a carb though. Fiber is not sexy, (laughs) but it's essential. The, yeah, fiber is kind of tricky. If you're like, if you're a low carb, there's this like whole net carb sort of um, thing going on where you don't count like insoluble fiber towards your intake. And like, um, that's not the best. Like you should be counting everything, but fiber, um, I mean, it does a couple of things. Um, it really helps with satiety. So when you're eating, um, we're looking, uh, especially if your goals are weight loss and you're, um, struggling with hunger, sometimes increasing fiber can make that kind of go away because you just tend to feel fuller longer. It slows down digestion. So, um, fiber takes a long time to, to digest because it's, it's, um, difficult, uh, a little more difficult on your GI system. It helps move. Like if you've ever eaten a really high fiber meal or like, um, those like quest bars, you'll notice it really like moves things through you a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So, um, creates a lot of urgency to go to the bathroom and that's a good thing. Um, it's, there's been some studies done, um, that correlate like a low fiber intake to an increased risk of colon cancer, which makes sense because, um, you have, you know, food sitting in your system a little bit longer. So we know like increasing fiber, uh, improves, um, you know, digestive health health and reduces the risk of, um, like GI related cancers. Um, as yeah, far like as people, people who eat keto or like Atkins, which is pretty, pretty much keto, yeah, like carnivore super diet. low carb. They like, I'm pretty sure they don't poo. <laughs> like, how do you even poop? Like yeah. you're not eating anything that makes you poop. Like you yeah. have to poop, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the crazy thing, <laughs> the fat, I guess if you're eating enough fat, maybe. Yeah. But then it's like really, you're going to yeah. have really sticky poop. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hi, bad. welcome to Meathead <laughs> Test Kitchen where we talk about poop every episode because pooping is important. <laughs> it is. It you is can fun. learn a lot about yourself uh, by examining your, everybody should take a good hard look before they flush. For real. Yeah. You can, you can learn a lot about how hydrated you are from what color your pee is and mm-hmm. how, yeah. how much you're eating. And if you're eating the right foods, by what color your poop is and yeah. if your poop's black you should go to the and doctor and what consistency it is yeah. like i know that's weird like i'm not you know no one's picking it up and like analyzing it but yeah like, to know that you're healthy and you're like you doing need to some know your things. body yeah you need to <laughs> yeah. know your body and that includes the weird gross stuff like pooping and what color is my pee <laughs> Exactly. I, I mean, yeah, they, they, I feel like these are things that nobody told me when I started getting into fitness. And then I started wondering these things and I'm mm-hmm. like, am I weird or is this normal? No, it's normal. I just wasn't talking to anybody else about it. That's right. all. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. definitely not talked about that much. I come from a family where it's like, we're very out in the open, like as a kid and stuff growing up. And so I'll ask them like, like my clients, we put them sometimes on a lower carb for two week cycles. And so mm-hmm sometimes their fiber drops a little bit lower and it's like, you have to make sure that they're still going to the bathroom on a regular basis. So I think the first time you ask that question, they're like, but why does this matter? Right. It does. It's really important for health. Yeah. Yeah. But we look for, um, as far as like fiber intake per day, I think, you know, we kind of set a minimum at around like 20 to 25 grams. And then like an ideal intake would be around 40 to 45 Um, and when we, when we see people who, and this has happened, we see people whose fiber intake is like 70, 75, 80 grams a day. Um, that's not great. You can, you can actually have too much fiber. And if you have too much fiber, you're just not going to, um, be absorbing a lot of what you're eating. It's going to pass too quickly through your digestive system. So you're, um, 
you know, maybe you're eating three or 4,000 calories a day, but you're, you know, the efficiency of absorption is quite low. So, um, getting someone like that to drop their fiber sometimes means they can actually reduce their intake, which isn't the worst thing because eating is, um, especially eating a lot is quite inflammatory. So if we can get that person to drop their fiber to maybe like 50 grams a day, and then we can reduce their intake by, you know, 10%, that's going to be good for their overall health and usually performance too. We are talking with Meredith Root and Alex Parker from Tactic Nutrition. Ladies, diet culture has told us for decades, for as long as I can remember, literally, because I My was born in life. the late 80s. <laughs> so we've seen, I feel like I've seen all of it. They tell us that carbs are evil. How do you feel about that? Carbs are life, right? I yes. I hate when, I mean, I get why, where people get that from. Like the first thing to go on diets usually are carbs. And that's mm. like, that actually, it kind of does make sense um, to a certain point, but especially for performance and just, I think just general life, like carbs are your body's preferred source of energy. And so when you start cutting those, you have to start utilizing protein and fat, which is a much, um, slower process. Um, another thing to note are plants, um, like fruits and vegetables are also like primarily carbs. Mm -hmm. So you drop carbs down quite low and you still want to have your bread or like, um, rice or whatever it is, you're just not going to be able to incorporate things like carrots and mm -hmm. apples and grapes. Like even now grapes are getting a bad rap because they're high in carbs, high in sugar, but it's like, that's not the issue in society right now. <laughs> society, like the problem is there's so many packaged foods, mm -hmm. there's so many processed foods and they're so highly like calorically dense and highly palatable. Like th that's the issue. It's not necessarily carbohydrates. Like it's not rice. It's not potatoes. It's not fruit and vegetables. Those are all carbs, but carbs get a bad rap, I think, because they're mainly associated with things like um, bread and croissants and French fries, French, French yeah. fries. I mean, that's fat too, but um, anything like that, like candy, Slurpees, you think even like coffee drinks, like iced coffee drinks can have a ton of carbs in them because of all the sugar. So really carbs aren't bad for you. They're great for you. They're, but, uh, so yeah, it's I like think, the type of carb matters. Yeah. Like the quality of food really mm -hmm. is what people need to be looking at. It's like, it's not even just the carb. It's like, what is it combined with? So mm -hmm. when you look at the Western diet, um, when we talk about highly palatable food, they've actually done studies where, um, in like, they do a lot of nutrition studies on rats and people like, they'll always say, Oh, it's done on a rat and not a human, but they're actually pretty good models. Um, with the exception of rats don't like salt. So sometimes that <laughs> affects um, the types of foods they can prevent, present them. But essentially they had um, three conditions where they had just normal rat food and um, they tried to basically add either sugar or fat or sugar and fat together to the rat's diet. And there was only one condition that really increased um, over fatness in rats um, significantly and like, um, encouraged overeating. So even with added fat, the rat would only eat to satiety and then stop. So you don't see, um, you don't see weight gain with fat only. And then same thing with sugar. Um, they put sugar in the water and the feed. And then again, the rat would only eat and drink to satiety and then it would stop. So not a significant amount of weight gain over their normal food. And mm -hmm. then when you, um, the condition where they were basically imitating, they call it the cafeteria diet, but essentially they combine sugar and fat in a way that sort of mimics the way 
the way that we're presented food, uh, like fast foods, uh, convenience items, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was the only condition that increased over fatness in rats significantly. So, um, that kind of goes to show you, it's not necessarily the, the carbohydrates or the sugar. It's the combination of carbohydrates, like sugar and fat. And they've done similar studies in metabolic wards using just potatoes. You can eat as many potatoes as you want a day. And the subjects that were in that study actually lost weight over time. So again, like Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the carbohydrates. It's the way that they're presented and combined with, um, with fat. So there you go. Quit demonizing carbs. Quit demonizing carbs. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Well, then like jumping off of that, like nobody's perfect. So like when you do overeat or miss your daily macros or you just fuck up, whatever, like, should you be compensating over a period of time or the next day, like you should eat less or in the long run, does it not matter as long as you don't make it a habitual thing? Yeah. In the long run, it doesn't really matter. So you have to remember, like we are, um, our brains operate on a 24 hour clock and our food trackers operate on a 24 hour clock. So we kind of think like we eat on a 24 hour calendar, but really like that's not exactly how the human body works. So we're looking at consistency, like consistency over time. Mm -hmm. So if you're over on one day by say like 10%, um, like the best thing you can do is just like the next day kind of reset and go back to eating as normal. Um, Mm -hmm. which is, um, going to be just fine for most people in their goals. And it keeps you out of that sort of, um, overeat, restrict, mm-hmm. under eat, and then overeat even more, restrict even more. So that kind of feeds into the, like the binge eating cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the best ways you can break that cycle is to just go back to normal and go back to eating the way that you normally would, even if you, you know, overeat by a significant amount. Just like resetting yourself, like, okay, that happened. Now I'm going to, tomorrow is a new day and I'm just going to eat like I normally would. And that was just yesterday. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's not, um, you know, if you're doing that every day, like, okay, you're the macros that you're on are not actually your macros. (laughs) Right. Um, right. And then that's a, that's a, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, but just like one day, one day, like here and there kind of randomly, it's totally fine. Um, today we're joined by Meredith Root and Alex Parker from Tactic Nutrition. Like speaking of building habits, what are some of your best advice when it comes to like meal prepping? Because I think sometimes meal prepping is important. It's a very daunting task though, if you don't know what you're doing too. And I feel like sometimes it helps to have people that are established in meal prepping teach you tips and tricks. Um, personally, I'm a huge fan of like sous vide and instant potting stuff because Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. set it and just go away and do the rest of my day. But what do what do you two specifically? What are your keys to success when you guys are meal planning at your house? We have completely let go of the fact that you're going to eat something different every single day. Oh yeah, for sure. Just requires way, way, way too much effort. And we some people are like, no, I don't. I get tired of chicken. It's like, you know what? Like, just eat chicken. Like, just do it. Or like, find a meat that you can stand to eat every day. Um, because trying to meal prep something different each day is like, mm-hmm. it's so much extra work. Yeah. Like just, you know, like get out of, I just, I hate when people are like, I just get tired of eating the same thing every day. I'm like, I don't know. Like it, it just seems like so much effort to try to find something different, like get into kind of get some, um, staples and just make those kind of over and over again and then rotate vegetables and rotate meat. Mm-hmm. And then for carbs, it's really easy. We have a rice cooker. Mm-hmm. And it keeps rice warm, like 
all the time. It's just on. And so it's really easy to just like scoop out some rice and that's your carb. And then veggies are easy too. You just make a ton at the beginning of the week, um, like roasted or panned. And then we're a huge fan of barbecuing meat. So we just barbecue like a ton of chicken breast at the beginning of the week. Um, Like when I was working in an office, I would, I would make all five breakfasts and five or six lunches on Sunday. And so the only thing I had to deal with was dinner, which Meredith had uh, under control when I got home from work. So really like you just kind of have to figure out what works and like experiment with the foods that you enjoy eating kind of on a regular basis and go from there. Yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, or what I've noticed with people with meal prep anyways, a lot of people don't have containers. Mm -hmm. So it's like such a small thing, but like get in abundant amount of meal prep containers. Um, cause if you're like, if you're making meals and you're leaving all your chicken and like one container, like one large container and all your veggies, and then you're having to like, you know, make sure you have a clean dish and like divvy that out in the morning, it just becomes like more work. Not to mention like stored food in bulk kind of looks gross sometimes. Oh, <laughs> sometimes. definitely. Nothing like, is grosser looking than like five pounds of shredded chicken oh breast just yeah. chilling in the yeah. corner of the fridge. <laughs> exactly. So like do yourself a favor and like get a bunch of glass containers and put things in meal size portions ahead of time and just store them in your fridge. And all you have to do is grab it out mm-hmm. and like go on with your day. I think that's like a lot of people sort of screw that up. And then mm-hmm. if like you're not good at cooking or you've never cooked in bulk, start, you know, start with one meal, maybe, you know, prep your breakfast or prep your lunch every day for the week. So you're doing, you know, five meals instead of 10 or 15 meals. Mm -hmm. For sure. Like that, I think that's the, like the, the annoying part is the, the set, like if you put it all in one place, Uh like your shredded chicken, then the added task of weighing it out every time you want to yeah just get the containers on amazon and make your life easy (laughs) learn like like, people who don't meal prep i'm like they're like i don't have time and i'm like but how do you have time to figure out your food during the week if you don't have time for two hours of meal prep on sunday right yeah that's like two hours on sunday is way less time than adding up each individual day of Mm. prepping every single meal individually yeah even I, if you take 10 minutes to prep every single meal, that's three meals a day, seven days a week. That's 210 a lot, minutes. A lot of minutes. <laughs> yeah. 210 minutes. So that out. Which is almost 30% more mm-hmm. yeah. Good than job. two hours. <laughs> we did, did that math. right on Yay. the top of your head. <laughs> so impressed. Yeah, no, I think when it comes to meal prepping too, you just, you have to get past the fact that you're not going to get to eat something exciting all the time. Like, yeah. Chicken, put different sauce on it if you're bored. Make your own sauces. Stir yeah. fry. We make a lot of stir fry at our house. And then it's I just, easy. well, Phil and I eat like a million calories a day. <laughs> right. I think between both of us, we probably eat between five to 6,000, depending on what we've got going right. on. So we go yeah. through a lot of food. Yeah. I meal prep twice a week. Yeah. Well, and that- yeah, and that's a lot of people have issues with stored food. So like, all right, um, Sunday and Wednesday are now your meal prep days. That's exactly totally what fine. I do. Yep. Just set it. If you set aside the time, it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's worth, fine. it's worth the two hours <laughs> yes. that it's going to take you to do it. Then a wasting money on shitty fast food. Yeah. That's not going to make you feel good. And no. B you get to sit in your car and not 
have to talk to people at work when exactly. they get lunch catered in. You can go eat in your car on your own. <laughs> exactly. Those are my two favorite things, saving money and being alone. Right? <laughs> yes. Solitude yes. and savings yeah. are life. Yes. All right, before we wrap it up, ladies, I have one submission via email from Mitch. Thank you for emailing us. Mitch emailed us, hello at meatheadtestkitchen.com, and you can too. He wants to know about keto. Does it live up to the hype? Uh. No. Um, <laughs> so the ketogenic diet is, um, it's actually kind of been around for a while. So low carb diets are new. Um, the ketogenic diet is essentially, um, you know, high protein, high fat. It's actually a lot higher fat than people realize. Most people, most people don't do the keto diet, right? They just look at them or they don't actually even get into ketosis. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. the thing. They look at the, the list of foods that you're allowed to eat and they're like, all right, I'll just eat those. I follow the keto diet. But in reality, the, the whole idea behind the keto diet is that you're able to get your body to enter uh, ketosis where it's using ketone bodies as in like free fatty acids as fuel instead of um, glycogen. The, the problem with the keto diet is that if you're not paying attention to your protein intake and your protein intake is too high, uh, that will keep you from going into ketosis. So really you just exist in kind of this chronic like keto flu where you're not like you're low carb, but you're also not really using ketone bodies for energy. So you're just kind of like foggy all the time. Um, you know, for, there's some clinical applications for the ketogenic diet. So people who are epileptic, epileptic, they've done, you know, they've done studies and showed really positive results there. Um, even other, like other conditions like autism and, um, you know, some autoimmune stuff, they've showed, um, you know, positive impacts with the ketogenic diet. But again, like that's, that's like clinical ketogenic that's right. being, um, you know, over, seen by medical professionals mm -hmm. and you're measuring blood glucose and ketone levels to ensure that you're doing it properly. Um, the way that most people do it is improperly and it's certainly not a good way to eat if you do any amount of exercising or intense exercise. Um, just cause like fat is never going to be a substitute for glucose with regards to like energy production. So, um, you know, your body's preferred, um, preferred energy sources, carbohydrates. It's always going to be carbohydrates. We're evolved to store carbs in so many areas in our body and our liver and our blood. Like there's different intramuscular ways that we store it. Like, or your body wants carbs. Um, you know, it doesn't do that for fats. So mm -hmm. I think unless you're in a, you know, sort of one of those specialty scenarios where you might benefit from a health standpoint from keto, mm -hmm. Uh, it's better just to eat a balanced diet that includes proteins, fats, and carbs, um, and maybe pay attention to your like food quality. I think a lot of people go from eating like trash cans to the ketogenic diet and they attribute their, you know, their positive results, weight loss, you know, the fact that they feel better or whatever to the ketogenic diet when really that should be attributed to the fact that they eliminated all the bullshit that they were eating. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And then another thing to note, we hear from people all the time, like, Oh, I've done the keto before and it's, and it's, and it worked. Um, so I think I'm going to do it again. And I'm like, but if it worked before, then why are you back for more? Like, why are you back for help? Or like, why do you mm. have to do it again? Yeah. Like that's, it's, it's great for weight loss because you're creating a very big calorie deficit when you stop eating. Like we, 
mentioned earlier, all those carbs that are packaged and packaged with like high calorie fat and taste delicious and you're overeating them. Um, and then, so when you come off the keto diet, like, yeah, you lose weight, but then you come off the keto diet and it's like, you start eating all that food because you haven't learned how to live with, you know, those foods in your life. Like you can't go out for dinner and eat just, you know, a normal serving of French fries. You're back to the way that you were before keto. Um, it's not, it's just not very sustainable. Plus going out to eat on keto would be pretty Impossible. tough. How do you do it? <laughs> you really I've think seen it's it. A thing. It's, it's one of the most, <laughs> and I, I don't like to shit on people when they do things that they try to help their health and fitness. But as it's well documented that keto as a diet, if you're not doing it within a clinical sense, it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. But you watch, like, I've seen people at Burger King or McDonald's or whatever, and they just rip the buns off. They get, like, yeah. two double cheeseburgers, and then they make, like, a four-stack cheeseburger. And I'm just like, yeah, uh, 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 okay. okay. Health, <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, if, if someone wants to do keto and they come to us and they're like, I'm keto or I'm, I do keto, we're just like, okay, cool. Like, that's fine. I don't care if you do keto. It's your life. Mm -hmm. But, like, we don't tell people to do keto. Yeah. We yeah. don't think it's a good idea. We don't think it's sustainable or fun. I mean, food is, is a social thing too. Like you should be enjoying it. You should feel good. And there's too much science around eating carbohydrates. Yeah. There you sure. go. The bottom line on keto from the ladies at Tacnic Nutrition. You heard it here. <laughs> what are you guys up to right now? Uh, tell us what you're doing. Um, well, we're kind of like everyone who's involved in CrossFit from a like sport perspective, kind of in a weird holding pattern, um, you know, waiting to see where the season goes. But, um, you know, if anything, this, the COVID thing and the shutdown has allowed us to really grow our business, which is already growing. Um, so we, um, you know, we spent a lot of time with tactic and doing stuff for the business and the brand. And we brought on a new coach not too long ago. Um, so we're headed in a positive direction with that, which we're happy about started a podcast. Um, now we have a YouTube channel. There's only, I think three videos up there right now, yeah. okay. um, but we bought a new camera and got into that. See, that's the and... fun thing about quarantine. I feel like everybody's kind of refocusing. It's yeah. like 2020 is the year of the refocus. Like, Oh, you can't do all the shit you wanted to do. Find new stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. And you, you can spend money on different things because <laughs> yep. you're not like traveling yep. and eating out and doing all that stuff. It just kind of, I think there was a lot of right sides to quarantine and COVID. Eating to fuel performance and support your goals doesn't have to be rocket science. You can make it as simple or as difficult as you'd like, which you've heard with us this afternoon. Thank you again, Meredith and Alex. You can find them at the tacticmethod.com or the afternoon snack podcast. Join us next week when we debunk more fitness bullshit. We're Meathead Test here. Kitchen. Out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK.